1: Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly.
0: Hi, Marjorie. How are you today? Hi, I'm good.
1: We uh, we were just chatting before we started recording the podcast that we both rearranged our spaces a little bit, and we feel very, very um, energized by the change. in... you just tilted your desk a little bit, so there's a new view. And I changed my whole location and I'm now, I went from podcasting in a closet to now I'm (laughs) podcasting in a pantry. So it's, I, but it's so funny because we have a fairly large, it's a, it's a, it's a sweet little space, but there's a pantry and then it's, there's the bathroom is behind me. And then if we ever show video, all people are going to see is my liquor cabinet, which is behind me. But my husband is so funny because he's such a broadcaster and now it's like a dedicated space to the podcast. He's like, we need to get you an on air light. And in our studio at home, when I used to do the radio show, I broadcast from home and we had a proper studio and there was a proper on air light. So the kids would know when I was on the air not to come in. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not broadcasting four hours a day. It's 30 minutes. I think everybody can remember that I'm that I'm recording
0: something. And you're but, the only one who lives here full time. I mean, there's other guests on occasion, but <laughs> that is hilarious. I know, but it's just, he likes things
1: proper. Like he likes things proper. And, I like you know, that
0: about him. Yeah, I do he likes too. And he likes um, sweater vests. I like that yes. about him too.
1: Yes, he's, his, his clothing budget, Elizabeth. I bet it's he's high. He's getting more and more dapper the older he gets. And <sighs> I was telling him the other day how much I appreciate that. Like, sometimes I think when people get older, they start to feel like, uh, who cares? You know, yeah. It doesn't matter. And he's always been a nice dresser. I, I've always liked his taste. He's very traditional. And I've always liked his taste in clothes. But he, it, he's upping his game.
0: Mm. he's getting older, and I like
1: this. I Way like to this go, a Ian
0: Punnett. This is impressive. I well, know. that actually brings us to the conversation that we're having today. As we were talking about clothes and how you dress, It brings me to another fascinating social media interaction that I had recently that we're going to talk about today. And, um, I'm glad we're discussing this because I think, let me just preface all of this by saying I have worked in television for 20 years. Okay. I have received comments about my clothes, my hair, my lipstick, my, um, body, my, this, my, that, my shoes, my everything all the time since the very beginning of the job. So I fully understand that I work in a visual medium. And while I don't think it is right for people to send me nasty grams, I also don't have the need to broadcast it literally and figuratively every single time this happens. If I shared with you every single time this happened, I would be sharing with you like every day. It would be insane. Oh, it's every day
1: because everybody has a different thing that my that might bug them when they feel the need to express it.
0: Okay. And,
1: And you, you handle that.
0: Yes. So we handle that. And I work through that. And I've talked about, you know, the boundary work that I do and all these different things. When I do bring it up though, I bring it up when I feel like it can be a jumping off point for a bigger conversation. It's not about me feeling like I need some validation. And sometimes I do need that from the people that I love and the people that are close to me. That's certainly not, out of the realm of possibilities for me, that I need to say to my husband, this person said this to me and it hurt my feelings. And then he says to me, they are a complete effing effer. It's <laughs> basically how Jay, my hockey player that? husband, would state it, you know? And yeah. so, <laughs> yeah. I, so, but there's I'm so not... much love behind that, right? So much and love it, behind it. it <laughs> for totally... you? And there's protection yeah. and there's all those yeah. things. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not saying that I'm so confident that I'm above needing that type of validation. I seek that validation though, from the people who are in my inner circle and the people who I trust and all of that. And so, um, so that being said, I bring these things up when I think that we can have a bigger conversation about what's going on here. And so I want to share this interaction with you, Marjorie, that happened on my Instagram page. And I'm kind of sad to seeing this infiltrate Instagram because, Instagram was like my happy place and Facebook was my sad place. Well, first it was Twitter became sad. And this was, I mean, this was yeah. long before Elon, you guys, Twi- I had to get off Twitter five years oh, ago. Twitter's been sad for a long time. people. Yes. So yes. if
1: you think that this is all Elon Musk's fault, it's like, it's you're been
0: sad. And, and you, can, you can't even think it's Donald Trump's fault. It was a very long time ago. It was way before. I remember doom scrolling, scrolling, tr- Twitter and getting the nastiest Messages on Twitter over five years ago, because I was in my bed in my old house. Right. And I was laying there in my old house, by the way, where when you laid in our bed, you could touch the ceiling with your feet. That's how low the ceilings were up there. And I thought, I got to quit with this. Like Twitter is not working right. for me. This isn't good for me mentally. Anyway, then that happened to Facebook. Now I fear that it's infiltrating Instagram. That's a story for another day. But I'm going to read to you this interaction from a woman on Instagram her name's Megan. I mean, well, that is her real name, but it, you won't be able to find her. I blocked her and I, it all's deleted or right. whatever, but, and then I want to read to you just sort of the thoughts that I articulated and wrote down and then shared. And then the amazing conversation that ensued on social media, which was right. like exactly when I thought I've got to talk about this. It's what I was hoping was going to happen. And I just felt so much, better about the state of the world after i read all of these people's insight so see it's like a full circle thing we got marjorie punnett okay it's great you want to start with the bummer part
1: (laughs) yeah and i i I only could look at a second of this as it was happening in real time to be honest because it kind of breaks my heart and so i just i even when i talk to you next after i have him say okay tell me what happened to you this week like i couldn't really even absorb it so let's get this part Let's get through this part
0: because it's awful. Yeah. Well, so what's interesting is so the first part she writes to me. Now, this is a this was a comment on um on outfits. I post outfits that I wear every week. I work with Evereve; They're amazing. They're a local company. I love them and they style me for the show. And I work with them on these things. She wrote to me, None of the jeans are flattering on you. Just stop. And then a stop sign. <laughs> Emoji. I don't even know they had that. And someone else replied to her and said, so much pressure on women. We should lift each other up, not tear each other down. Nice. I hope you have a great week. Way to go, Jeannie. Jeannie, you're great. And then I wrote to her, and I kind of thought about it for a couple of days because I always think about these things before I reply because I'm just going, am I Am I going to reply out of a place of, um, ooh, ouch, that hurts. I'm going to fling something back at you, which is always right. my initial reaction, just <laughs> FYI. doesn't matter how evolved I am. I wrote back to Megan, and I said, This comment is unkind and unnecessary. I pray you find some peace. And she wrote back to me within about four minutes, which was, I found to be kind of interesting. Uh, She said, I have plenty of peace. I'm entitled to my opinion. I have chosen to unfollow you and I will no longer listen to your podcast. She hit the podcast. I mean, the passion project, (laughs) the thing I do for not even a dollar. Low blow,
1: low Dang. blow, on, low blow on the passion project, low blow on the passion project.
0: <laughs> um, but well, so okay, so we go on, and I and I'd been kind of thinking about it. And but we only there, like, first of all, we only like nice birds in the nest, honestly. We can totally take,
1: fine to have you we go have worked yeah. on taking constructive criticism. We have because we have had some very constructive criticism, right? But generally, even the people who are giving us constructive criticism are nice birds, so nice birds only right
0: okay. i agree Continue. um so this is what i wrote out and what i posted on instagram that then um and then i asked for feedback and i asked for just discussion on this right and i got such good stuff so i i said this i'd like to dig into this interaction for a moment because i think it could be a learning moment for many of us on both sides i think it's really interesting how we justify saying unkind and unnecessary things by saying quote it's just my opinion It's like the old quote, no offense, but comments that were so common when I was young. You may be entitled to hold your opinion, but you are not entitled to share your negative opinion of my body with me. That's the boundary. It's not your right to project your own pain onto me. That is the boundary. And people get really uncomfortable when you share your boundaries with them. For example, I'm going to unfollow and stop listening. Side note, those of you who do follow and listen, already know that is my expectation and the boundary. I hope you also hold firmly for yourselves. I obviously have no connection to this person whatsoever. I don't know her. Her presence will not be missed. But holding boundaries gets trickier when you're emotionally invested in the person you're communicating with. So I'm curious, what are your non-negotiable boundaries? How do you communicate them and hold firm? How do you deal with it when people push back on them and what do you think is really behind these, I'm entitled to my opinion statements? So I asked a lot of questions, Marjorie, that ends my diatribe there. And um, and I asked a lot of questions and not surprisingly, my Instagram community of 40,000 people strong just started hitting it hard and giving me such good stuff. Well, I think I think what's key in all this, and I can't wait to hear some of the good
1: stuff, is, and this is something that my husband... And I've talked about this before on the podcast. Was particularly good at my husband's an ordained deacon, has been through seminary, has done chaplaincy, and would approach negative emails, which we got many, and we would get many about the state of our marriage. We would get many about me. We would get many about him, and I just didn't answer any of them. But he he approached it similarly, in in a very chaplainesque way, and sometimes. It would be just a quick turn, like, and I and I guess what's sticking with me is when you said, don't project your pain on me. And that's what he would often do. He would turn it around back to the person who was writing the comment and say, who talks to you like yeah. this? Yeah. Because if they're talking to you like this, that's troublesome. And you need to explore that. And that goes back to this idea of it's my opinion and I have a right to express it. And I think, you know, I think I was blessed. Well, I'm not going to say that because it's complicated, but I think when you think about her saying that to you, who said things like that to her under the guise of like, I'm your mother. I have a right to tell you, you don't look good in that. I have a right to tell you that you need to worry about this about your face or this about your body. I mean, who body shamed her under the guise of saying, it's my opinion. Mm -hmm. You need to hear this. Was it a mother? Was it a grandmother? I mean, we've talked about that before of like, careful how you talk to your children. So I I think I like that you opened it up to a wider conversation, but just even on the one-to-one, you hear something like that. I have a right to express this opinion. Is this somebody who feels unheard? Most of the time, like what's happening there? Right, right. Because there's no getting around the idea that it's mean to say that to somebody. I mean, there's just no negotiating that. So now, does she want to think it? Okay, mm-hmm. think it. I mean, people think mean things about other people all the time,
0: all the time, everywhere, grocery store, wherever. Me, right. particularly when I'm in parking lots or in any sort of thoughts? driving situation. Yeah. So, In the car, I even say it, but I don't say it directly to a person, right? usually. Although so, one guy, I did roll down my window and say, you can't go this way. This is blocked <laughs> off. He said there wasn't a sign. I said, there was one, though. You can't do this. You got into it? Yeah, because he was trying to go the wrong way. And I, my car was, he was trying to head on collide. And then a weasel <laughs> yeah. passed. And I was like, buddy, like, this isn't how this works. <laughs> this is
1: Yeah, this is the wrong Anywho, way. But. yeah, I get it. Anyway, well, too. To the, to the singular, to I like how you made it universal, and I like in particular that people who are not close to you, yes, they can hurt you, but they don't really damage you in the way that somebody who is important to you might cross that boundary. So what was the
0: response? So what was so fascinating was to get people's stories about the people that they're trying to hold these types of boundaries with. And again, you know, that's, uh, it's exactly right, Marjorie. It's why I bring it up because it's not, it's easy to dismiss somebody that you don't know. And it's just, she's got her own thing going on. I truly do pray for peace for her because I could imagine that if that's the tip of the iceberg of the type of tormented existence that you're leading, if you feel the need to tell a 40 year old mother of three who is doing her best that she doesn't look good in jeans, like it's okay. But holding boundaries is such a challenge, particularly if it is, as you explained, like a mother and a grandmother, I had one woman write to me and she said, my mom is 82 and I'm 56. And my mother has always felt free to tell me her thoughts on my weight and exercise parenting too. It's affected me my whole life. Mm -hmm. I finally started to stand up for myself. She's 56. Her mother's 82. This woman says, I finally, after 56 years, have started to stand up for myself, but her comments still get under my skin. And then she said, people are so much braver and comment whatever they want to say online, you know, all of those things. Um, But that's heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. That is so heartbreaking to me. And I don't even know, like, I think if you have functional parents, you are you have won the lottery. You have you have absolutely won the lottery in right. terms of being able to succeed in life because right. when I read this stuff the more I'm like I don't I mean boy people can really suck that. Well my
1: my son said that to me once and it was really one of the sweetest things he had ever said was that you know once he was out in the world he really realized how special his life had been, not because of anything material, but because of the freedom and the love and the consistency that we had given him Mm -hmm. and how much pain is actually out in the world that is caused by the family of origin. And, you know, I was always very honest with my kids that I was trying to break some some pretty significant family of origin patterns. And so right, I right. think we had a higher level of communication, but it was because I so much didn't want to pass on some of the things that got passed to me or that were taught to me. I wanted to break those models and not hundred percent successful, hundred percent, not hundred percent successful. But what I was really, what the core of what he was trying to say is that the, the evenness and the consistency of the love and non-judgment and goodness was always there. Nobody's going to be a perfect parent. I have a temper. I mean, there's lots of things I, right, I would right. do differently. I'm not in any way saying that I did it perfectly. And you could call my children and they could list the top five things that they wish I had done differently.
0: <laughs> but I
1: but I think that when you just say if you're blessed with functional parents, and I would just add to that functional and consistently loving parents where you're not getting mixed messages where you're not sent out into the world insecure about what your real net in the world is. And that was all I wanted my kids to have, is to know that you always have a home that is filled with unconditional love. And we, we toss that phrase around a lot, the idea of unconditional love. I think a lot of, all of us as parents have to really search and say, what does that really mean? And unconditional love to me means you're not body shaming your children. You're not shaming shaming your grown daughter's parenting skills. Now, is it okay to make a suggestion or to have a conversation if you think, like, I have some wisdom here, daughter. I'm going to share it with you. Sure. I think those are good conversations, but we all know there's a difference. We all know there's a difference between having the conversation and
0: shaming somebody. The shame is the biggest thing. The shame is 100% because the shame, when you are making any statement, and you have to be really honest with yourself, everybody does, uh, with the intention of inflicting shame upon someone, you are coming from an inexcusable place, in my opinion. I just don't think that shame has any place in parenting. I don't think it has any place in in any type of good relationship. And it is the difference between like, this is not the right thing to do, but you are, you are good. You are even what Dr. Becky, I always talk about Dr. Becky because I love her on Instagram. And she, she says repeatedly to children, you are a good kid having a hard time. You are a good kid having a hard time. I just said that to Franklin the other night. He was like having an Epic melt. He just could not, he could not come out of it. And and he was so upset with himself for being so right. out of control. Right. And I just held him. And I probably said it 50 times. I said, oh, you are a wonderful boy. You are having a hard time. And we all have a hard time. I have a hard time. Daddy has a hard time. Bernie has a hard time.
1: I love. That. Every,
0: but lovey has a hard time. You are a wonderful boy having a hard time. Hard time. And that is that's you know, versus quit your crying, grow up. Why are you such a baby? I mean, yeah, these why are, are you... things that people say oh, to their children.
1: You can hear it. I mean, honestly, you can hear it in the grocery store. I mean, I have seen, or one of the worst places for, honestly, one of the, the places where you can find some of the worst parenting is TJ Maxx or Marshall's where, you know, the mom, And I'm not trying to shame the moms, but you know, I mean, I've done it where you're just trying to like shop because it like alleviates either whatever. You're just trying to shop for yourself for a moment. And you've got two little kids in the cart. So please know that I'm not shaming you moms. But it is interesting to see like, that's where like the breakdowns happen because the kids don't want to be there. The mom wants to be there and, and some I have heard some horrible things said to kids. Well, in you those can, situations.
0: but the thing is, I really believe that you can firmly correct your child without inflicting shame upon them. Yeah. I mean, I do that all the time with my kids. I, it's, I always am like, and in my head, am I sometimes thinking like, you suck. You're being a jerk. <laughs> like, you're, I, I mean, I think this stuff. Well, like, we all do. Yeah. For sure. But I am not saying like, you're terrible. I am, but I will say this is unacceptable. This is not how it's gonna go. And do I sometimes yell it? Absolutely. Like right. At, right. do I wish I didn't yell for sure, but I also have five people in my house. and when everybody's screaming, sometimes the only way anyone's hearing me to make a change right. is to yell. And so, it, and, it,
1: and again, I mean, we are talking about we're talking about a very big issue. and in the minutiae, we all
0: fail at times.
1: Give me some more of what people were okay. telling you.
0: So my um my homeopath Jenny Hoagland, who I love, she's the enlightened homeopath on Instagram. If you don't follow her, she is absolutely oh, wonderful. I've had many appointments with her and um she, and I've taken some of her classes. She's really fantastic. Um, she wrote to me. Your question, she said, um, she sent me a direct message because my quest, I put a question box up and she said, your question box was glitching, but my answer to the question of what do you think is behind these comments is that people feel a lot of shame about their bodies. Previous generations grew up being shamed, holding shame, and hiding and apologizing for their bodies. Seeing someone not having shame and not hiding their body or apologize for it shines a spotlight directly onto their own unhealed shame and self-disgust. Then in their mind, the problem becomes you not feeling shame instead of the unhealed shame they're carrying deep inside. As someone who loves themselves, you become a mirror for those who do not. Thanks for carrying that role so gracefully.
1: I love that. That rings very true to me. She's the, amazing. The, the motivations of why somebody would say,
0: just stop. That rings very true. Oh, that's yeah. good.
1: Who's that, Jenny?
0: That's Jenny Hoagland, the enlightened homeopath. Nicely done. you got to follow her. She's, we got to get her on the podcast. She's, yeah, I've been wanting to get her on for months. Love that. Who else? A lot of people were, I think, again, commented things like, you're beautiful. You know, all those things which are, are very much appreciated. But again, it's not the intention of the, the post. Yeah. Someone named Bryn said, I, I strongly dislike how opinions are just a front to be rude, racist, misogynistic, etc. online. And I strongly disagree with people putting others down, especially women versus women. That whole, like, it's just my opinion thing is a complete cop-out. It's a complete cop-out. And it's a way to say, I'm not going to take responsibility for the shrapnel that I just inflicted on you. And it's really a, a dangerous way to go because, you know, we have this beautiful freedom of speech and we have this ability to express ourselves that does not excuse you from the consequences of what you say. And it also doesn't um, make it okay to take your own pain and your own problems and your own uh, self-hatred and toss it on to other people. It simply just doesn't. Free speech has been the most abused. Um, misinterpreted yes. uh, right that we all hold so dear. And I will tell you as a Television personality and a former journalist, and I will speak for you, Marjorie. There's no right that we hold more dear than the freedom of speech. You and I personally, right? Someone does something that violates one of your boundaries, or is just not right, or just is not nice. Okay, so then my reply was to gently call this person out. This is unkind and unnecessary. I mean, I didn't say you're a horrible person. Right? I didn't. None. None of that. It was. This is an unkind and unnecessary comment. It was right. nothing about her character or as a person. Right. And then at offering a prayer for peace is extending the hand and extending a hand of grace. And it's so, that's another, I think, really interesting study into people is when they are extended that hand and given the opportunity to make it right, that they double down Double down and punish the person who is putting the boundary into place, which is why it makes it so difficult to hold boundaries with like people you love. So I can imagine this with like maybe a dysfunctional parent or a sibling or a friend. Well, you said that to me. Now I'm going to do XYZ. i Z. I'm going to invite everyone to this and leave you out. Or I'm going to get all of the grandchildren Christmas presents, but not your children. I mean, okay. these are the things that happen, that type of retaliation.
1: The interpretation becomes that you extending a hand of peace is patronizing. That's how she's that's how she's interpreting it, that you're patronizing her, as if you are sitting in some holy chair and have the ability to extend peace to her, which is exactly not what you're doing.
0: No, what you're I'm saying... sitting in a chair from home goods, actually, Marjorie, the <laughs> aforementioned
1: this chair is from home goods. And it goes back to, I mean, we are not trying to overly focus on this one thing, but it is a lens into your family of origin. It always is. Who we are in the world, we cannot escape it. It is about where and who we come from. And drawing those boundaries with those people, it's very difficult. And I just keep thinking, and I, I keep trying not to talk about my mother, but quite frankly, I am just sort of like, every day. It's very odd. She was so important to me and I love her. And I particularly loved the woman that I knew in her eighties. She just became the best version of herself in her gentleness and her kindness. And so I'm so grateful to have known that, but she was a tough, tough mother <laughs> earlier than that. And when you talk about boundaries, I, I, I can't help but remember. And this is a boundary I drew with her. And this is, I'm going to tell this story, not because I, I like to talk about this so much, but because if you're a person who is really critical, understand that when you express your opinion, the people that you are expressing it to might not react meanly to you. They may say something as gentle as what Elizabeth said about, I extend to you peace. But I will tell you what happens. Beyond that is something you might not even realize you're going to lose. And that may sound confusing, but I'll clarify. When I was in 31 or 32, I so wanted my mother's approval. And yeah. I worked really hard. And I had had some pretty cool jobs up to that point freelance because I was also balancing raising two toddlers. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten a freelance gig at CNN. Not too shabby when I'm trying to balance a lot in my life. And I worked with this team that was so lovely. And so I had been producing my first show and that's a little nerve wracking. It's a big control room. There's a lot of people. You walk down the center of this room, you sit in the middle of all these people because you're the producer. It's very stressful.
0: And this is also in the nineties too. And you're a woman in that environment. I mean, that's 30 years ago, not 30, 20 years ago.
1: A lot of men and I'm young, you know, I'm young. And so I walk down and I do it to be honest. The show went great. The show went great, not because of me. It really didn't. The show went great because I was surrounded by this team that was so lovely and was just propping me up at every, because they wanted the show to go well and they, and they had no ego in it. They didn't want me to fail. So I had these great people who were supporting me. So the executive producer came and he was very sweet to me. He said, that's like one of the best first shows I've ever seen. Awesome. So what did I do? I called my mom. Yeah. I called my mom. And her reaction was, but you're just freelance. And so it's still, it just was like, there is nothing I can do to impress you. And so I just hung up the phone and just cried a lot. Yeah. And then I said to Ian, she no longer gets to be a part of that part of my life.
0: She doesn't get the call. She's not going to get the call anymore. Yeah.
1: And really fun things happened to me the rest of my life. Really fun, silly career things. You know, in radio, you do lots of odd, funny things that would have been great to share. I never shared anything with her again. And it wasn't out of spite. It wasn't out of I still, you know, we would visit. I would love her. She was open to the grandchildren. I mean, there was no I never spoke of it again. It was just a part of me grew up I just grew up and I was done seeking her approval. I was just done. So, oh, that's hard. that's the part yeah. of like when you when you are the one that's criticizing, you may not always realize or feeling like you have a right to express your opinion. That was my mom had every right to express that opinion, but you're not a full-time employee. It's not the full, you know, whatever however that was working in her head. She had the right to express it, of course. She didn't need to. And she lost because she felt she had the right to. Right. She lost because it just made me feel bad. And I don't want to feel bad anymore.
0: I think that's interesting though. And how you bring that up in terms of how those types of things make your world smaller when you are the person. And we are now really digging into that part of the question that I posed, which is, what do you think is behind these, I'm entitled to my opinion statements? And I think there's a control element. I think there is um, a lot of like internalized shame and feeling like, I mean, you've talked a lot about your mom, you know, and I'm not in, in the business of like analyzing your mom, but your mom really was um, an underdog in her career situation. She was like super successful, but very much the minority is a woman and in, in a 70s. really high pressure yeah. environment yeah. and all these things. Yeah. She's a powerhouse. And so these internalized feelings of like, I should have this, mm-hmm. I should be getting this, mm-hmm. I should be this, which I'm sure she felt all the time. Yeah. I think she was maybe projecting onto you. Yep. And so all of that stuff, it's just so interesting where I think the bottom line is, if you're not doing the self-work to figure out what is behind the way that you speak to people, the way that you interact with people, you are not able to interact in a positive, loving world opening way. You are closing your world down because think of what she missed out on then because of that. And think about how that could have been framed. Like I even just think the shift of that would have been, Oh my gosh, Marjorie, they are like, they are so lucky to have you like they are so lucky to have you that you come in as a freelancer and you blow the right. doors down. And even in my head, as I'm telling my mom, the truth of it is
1: it was not my best show. It was a team. It was more a testament to the team that had been built that a new person could come in and that team would raise everybody up. I didn't want to get into that. I was happy to have that known everywhere else. But with my mom, I just wanted her for that moment to think I was that spectacular. You know what I mean? And so it's, yeah. you're like a child. You're like, you're like 10 years old running home yeah. with your A's on your report card. Yeah. But, but, but the, the, the I know the truth of it. Even when I was calling her. And perhaps if the discussion had gone differently, I would have said, these are amazing people. And these are, they never even got that far. Like
0: you shut it so down. Like, just shut yeah. it down. Listen, and, the, yeah. I know and, of a similar it, story with my grandmother and my mother, where my mother said, Um, when, when now my grandmother has passed, so I feel okay sharing this story, but, um, my mother told my grandmother that she was pregnant and I was the first grandchild. Okay. So she said, I'm pregnant. And my grandmother said, Oh no, I'm not ready to be a grandmother. And my mother vowed in that moment, I will never tell you again that I'm having a baby. And so with my sisters, when my sisters were born, this is the exact same thing. When my sisters were born, my grandmother found out because one of the other, one of my mom's other siblings said, Oh, did you know Susie's pregnant or Susie's having another baby? And my mom never directly told her again, that wall that you put up is just it's not making your world any smaller because you'll find the other people, you'll you'll create your village and your people that are in your inner circle to share that with, but then she misses out on all of it.
1: Right. And I think that's I think that's a really um that is the that is the the most you've hit on the most important part of it is that if you're the person that's feeling like you get to express that opinion, you don't know that you're making your world smaller, but you yeah. are because people don't, people don't want to feel bad. No. And so if you make them feel bad, they may not act in an unloving way towards you, but they will limit their interactions with you.
0: I I know. Yeah, that is so true. Okay. I got a few other ones first. And thank you for sharing that Marjorie. That was really powerful. I think that was really powerful. And I feel like now we're recording this, so I, I but I can imagine while people are listening to this, if you're out on your walk and you're sobbing, listen, we're sorry that you, now it's a scene on your favorite trail or in your car. we yeah, always. we don't control the content. Oh, wait, we do actually, we control this content, but we you know that's the spirit moves us,
1: yes, the spirit moves us and we sometimes can't control our own emotions. so but I didn't i I wobbled. I almost cried there, and I, I, I held it together,
0: I know. Um I had some people who said those are excellent questions. I'm going to think about these and get back to you. So RJ Bristol, I want your reply. <laughs> <laughs> this other person said if people criticize someone it's usually something they have an insecurity about, which is really interesting. Jenny says I surround myself with people who lift others up. I unfollow those who do not, and that's the boundary. Yeah. That's her boundary. Yeah. I surround myself with people who lift others up. If you don't, then you're out. And that's and I think that's a really great boundary and something to think about. So one more comment here that I, that I liked a lot. She said, I'd like to ask my skinny mom not to talk about needing to lose weight when she eats in front of my kids. And I was Mm -hmm. just having a conversation with a girlfriend who had a run-in with her mother-in-law related to this same issue. Her mother-in-law referenced um, something in description to body, like a, you know, a thin body characteristic that most people in our society would like. It wasn't in reference directly to my friend's daughter, but it was about someone else. And then it brought in this whole discussion where the daughter was like, well, what does that mean? Well, what is that? It was this whole thing. And so then my, and this, I think, wasn't the first time that these types of comments have been made by the mother-in-law. And so my friend decided to take a stand and say, you know, in our house, I we're just not talking about this. We're not talking about um, bodies. These are these are the boundaries that i put in place and listed some specific things that she would like her mother-in-law to respect. And it like blew up and it was not good. And fortunately, my friend's husband was fully supportive of his wife in saying, absolutely, like this is not my mom shouldn't have said this and we shouldn't talk about this. But it ended with leaving the house and than not speaking for a long time. The mother-in-law could not handle the criticism. Couldn't handle the criticism. No. And
1: you know your friend, do you think it was
0: delivered yeah well? Very diplomatically. Yeah, very wow. diplomatically, but also... Now why would you um, want
1: to take a stand, as a grandmother, why would you want to take a stand on that?
0: And the I think fear, it's you know, generational. It's generational. I, I yeah. do believe it is. And it and the thing is, I would say to this woman who said, I'd like to ask my mom not to talk about needing to lose weight when she eats in front of my kids. I would say that I think at some point you end up when you're trying to hold boundaries with a parent, and it is related to something that will impact your children, particularly when it comes to weight. Now, I will say girls and boys, but I think particularly with girls, just Mm -hmm. the way that our society is set up. I would and I'm not in this situation. So it's a little hard to say that being said, I would sacrifice the closeness of the relationship with my parent in order to prevent the damage that comments from grandparents about weight to children can have. Yeah. Because I've talked about this before, but when I went through the whole viral sensation, that was the be a Julie, not a Maggie thing, the body shaming incident that went viral, that went all over. And I got thousands of messages from women. And every one of them who had dealt with poor body image, eating disorders, overexercising disorders, all of these things could pinpoint the exact comment that was made that spiraled them out of control. And nine times out of 10, 9.9 times out of 10, it came from a parent or a grandparent.
1: Wow. Wow. That's really powerful. And that's really scary. And so people need I, to hear that.
0: I know. And so when it, and so I said yeah, to my that friend, surprises I, me. I was like, I'm so proud of you for saying this. And yeah. then she told me the moment that her grandmother said something about her body and how it stuck with her and how it stuck with her that for the rest of her life, and she's mid forties and beautiful and amazing and super successful. And, um, and so To this woman who said, I'd like to tell my mother to not do this in front of my daughter. You know, I'm not advocating for people to fracture a relationship with a parent, but I will say that when it comes to that choice, the discomfort that you are going to face by, by head on tackling it with the parent or the grandparent in your life compared to the lifelong trauma that comments like that will inflict on your children it's it's a no-brainer to me
1: i i love that you're saying that and again it's this family of fortune stuff that is so powerful and i look at my son's relationships with with my mother and it's part of the reason i could i could have a relationship with her which was so good is because so much of what i felt was hurtful was mended by the fact that she was an unconditionally loving grandmother yeah. she adored those boys and that's all they ever felt from her was that they could do anything and she adored them and were it different than that I would do I would have done exactly what you're talking about she was welcome and she was welcome in our home she was welcome in our life she was because she when she would come she enhanced their lives mm-hmm. she enhanced who they, felt they were it was an additional sense of a deep love were that not the case if she came in with judgment that would have been a that would have i think that would have had to be a discussion because i feel like you that no you don't you don't get to be that voice in my child's head not you Because no. they're gonna have that voice. That voice is gonna come in somewhere else from the outside. But what's shocking to me about what you said is I think so many times in my own perception, I think of female body issues caused by you know social media or in my day seventeen magazine, or but I think it's really important to hear, no, these women are telling you that the damage came from their mothers and their grandmothers, not from what was going on in the outside world. Now that might right. compound it. but this the seed. Came from home.
0: It came from home. And fathers and grandfathers, let me just say. Yeah. I mean, really, it was, it's, it's pretty shocking. Others just expressed one Becky said, I've I stopped apologizing or making excuses for being human. My cousin, my cousin's wife actually, she wrote this to me. I think people who can't respect boundaries have trouble setting their own and also feel the need to share slash insert opinions and need to know the why behind the boundary. All right, Marjorie, we're out of time. We've talked too long. We've just, this is a long podcast and we're happy that you're here for it. Um, If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a review at Apple Podcasts.
1: You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home.